Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's program, we get our June recruiting fix with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. And before we get to that, a few news and notes to get us started. As we record this morning, it is officially the first day of summer. Like you, I'm looking forward to kicking back and enjoying our beautiful Michigan summer and taking some time off. That said, it is now only 66 days until we kick it off against Florida down in Texas. The team is busy with voluntary workouts, summer classes underway, and Jim Harbaugh and staff are busy with the last of the summer camps and are working the recruiting trail. For the most part, things should be quiet on the Michigan football scene until practice gets underway on July 31st. We're on our summer schedule, as you know, of two shows a month, with a Michigan Man Extra segment every so often. This month's Extra will be coming your way next Tuesday. My guest will be senior linebacker Mike McCray one of the few starters returning on the Michigan defense. So don't forget to join us next week, and we'll get Mike's thoughts on his career at Michigan and his expectations for his fast-approaching senior season. Each month from January to July, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports takes time from his busy schedule to update us on the never-dull recruiting scene. On today's show, we talk about some new targets that have emerged in the class of 2018 and much more. Steve Lorenz is next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our monthly recruiting update for this month of June is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Steve, as always, great to catch up with you. Same here, Mike. Well, the camping season, uh, as we know, Steve, and we talked about before we started taping, is, you know, winding down. Uh, This past Saturday, though, Michigan hosted their uh, aerial assault camp in the big house. Uh, You got a chance to uh, check that out, didn't you? Well, we had Isaiah Hole. Uh, our main beat writer on on site there uh he kind of does most of the on site stuff for us at this point really though they wanted to get Trent Dilfer uh for instance out there uh to help coach like you know they used to have Jay Cutler all these guys that would come out and coach well the NCAA has kind of put the kibosh on them being able to do that uh, as far as like uh them paying you know for these guys to come out and coach for a day so, you know, I think there was a little bit of disappointment as, as far as that goes. And then really, uh, I think the roster and the show, show out, uh, as far as talent there was really, really low too, especially when you consider that JT Daniels had to cancel out. Uh, he was really the kind of the big name, uh, that was going to be there. And, uh, so his inability to make it out, which I believe he'll be back in July. I think that's what he told me the other day, uh, will be, you know, nice to get him back on campus, but, you know, A4 kind of the, uh, best best time to get a quarterback there. So uh, different than it's been. I mean, and that's kind of the way it's been all year so far. You know, with the satellite camps, there's less of them, and now there's you know this situation. I think the I think this coming weekend with the elite camp, and I think the big man camp, uh, I think there'd be a lot more to look forward to. Well, as we said, the uh, the camping season is winding down after these next few camps. So as of this week, the class of uh, 2018, Steve has 10 verbals. I don't think that number has uh, changed since we last did our update in May, has it? No, uh, pretty quiet. You know, with uh, the Mayfield, and they got Ryan Hayes shortly thereafter uh, on Memorial Day. Did they get Ryan Hayes before we talked? Because I know it was a Memorial. It was late Memorial mm-hmm. Day weekend, so uh, it must have been close. So. Yeah. Either way, either way, though, it's been pretty quiet as far as the verbals go. Uh, not a surprise to me. Biggest reason why, really, it's elite talent across the board that they're recruiting now. Maybe some sleepers that popped up during the evaluation period, some new players on the board, um, but not many have maybe been on campus and are uh, anywhere near a decision. So it's kind of the time where they keep recruiting those top guys. Uh, you know, the guys that have all the national offers, maybe the guys that want to do it at the All-American game or do it on signing day or, you know, maybe if a guy wants to sign in December, he'll do it, like, you know, somewhere around there. So uh, this is not too atypical, uh, especially with a little bit of a smaller class this cycle. So really it's about keep it hanging on to the guys they have verbally committed and then, 
um, just keeping their nose to the grindstone with the guys that, uh, you know, are remaining on their board. Well, last week, Chandler, Arizona quarterback Tyler Shuck committed to, to North Carolina. We talked about him on uh, the last couple of shows, actually. Michigan really liked him. But I suppose maybe what it boiled down to, Steve, is he thinks his chances of getting on the field faster are at North Carolina. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, when you're covering recruiting, sometimes it's it's dumb to speak in hyperbole. I think some of the stuff I had said before on this show on our site was that it was if he didn't go to Michigan, it was on Michigan. Uh, maybe Michigan would change course. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the case. And really, when when you see what Michigan has at quarterback with Peters, McCaffrey, uh, Joe Milton verbally committed, you know, I think it's a little bit not intimidating, but yeah. I mean, there are other schools that have produced really good quarterbacks. You see what North Carolina did with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, hard to argue with the results there uh, as far as Larry Fedora goes. You know, and yeah, there's a much easier path to the field, you know, at Chapel Hill. So had a good visit. I, I do know this though, uh, going into that visit, I think Michigan thought Cal and Indiana were the two schools that would be the biggest competition. So, uh, I, you know, was it a shock maybe that he ended up elsewhere? Not as things continued to play out, but it wasn't a situation where North Carolina, this was expected necessarily. So great job by the North Carolina staff with him. And really the interesting thing, uh, North Carolina also picked up a second quarterback uh, verbal yesterday with a kid named Jace Reuter out of uh, really he's out of like the middle of nowhere in Kansas. I, I think they, you know, the story I read about him is the closest airport from his house is like two hours away. <laughs> uh, so really, yeah, total diamond in the rough, really established himself. I want to say at Florida State camp or maybe some other camps. Uh, but they have two now, but I think it's more about not necessarily what's in the 18 class as it is for Michigan as far as what's ahead with, with Peters and then a McCaffrey. So yeah, that's a loss. I mean, we'll see if they go for a second still. Uh, I don't think they're going to reach to take one. Maybe they'll focus their efforts on, on a JT Daniels. Uh, you know, I think Michigan's in that one. Uh, but we'll just have to see, you know, it's really going to be a kind of play about year, keep evaluating. If a guy pops up they like, then they'll go after him. Well, Steve, let's talk about some of the kids on Michigan's radar, starting with this class of 2018 uh, that I've been reading about lately. Some names we, I think we've talked about. Others, uh, this is the first time I've seen them mentioned. One of them is a, another Georgia kid, surprise, surprise, uh, Quindarius Monday. Now, he's a four-star safety. He's already taken a visit here, hasn't he, Steve? Yeah, he visited after, uh, he was actually out here in Allendale. Uh, he was at the Grand Valley best of the Midwest thing, which is what, what the sound mind, sound body uh, camp that, you know, was awesome for the kids that no longer exists. Uh, this is what replaced it. Monday, probably the top ranked talent there. I didn't, at least in that given today or that on that day, I didn't think he was the best player out on the field, uh, but still 6'4", 195, has the frame to get bigger, play some safety. Uh, not going to be easy. Uh, Clemson offered, I think shortly before he visited Michigan, Clemson, you know, you're from Atlanta. Clemson's an offer that you really want at this point. Uh, he went basically beat, took a beeline to Clemson and visited like shortly thereafter. Uh, I know Auburn too. I think Auburn was probably the leader heading into the last month or so. Uh, you know, my guess, even though he's a, he's a great player, of course, we know Michigan would love to get a four-star out of Georgia, especially one with all the offers that he has. Uh, I think it's Clemson or Auburn right now. We'll see, though. Uh, they like him. I do think it is safety for him, but he's an athlete, though, that could play a few different positions. So, yeah, we were joking that it'd be kind of neat if they'd gotten a Quindarius Monday and then a Tyler Friday, uh, you know, to get a Monday to Friday kind of combo <laughs> uh, in there. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's. I definitely think with him, I think it's an uphill battle right now. Well, last week in 24-7 Sports, you wrote about Tyler Friday, and he's a four-star defensive tackle from Don Bosco Prep in Jersey. You said he's not really been a vocal kind of a guy about his recruitment at all through this process. Can you get sort of a, a read on maybe where he's leaning? Uh, it's been it's, He's been tough. Uh, you know, I think early on, I think most assumed it was going to be a Michigan-Ohio State battle. Uh, that very well still could be the case. Uh, I think Penn State has made some inroads with him, too. Really, I think he's, I think his last public was a top 16, which is basically here are like five schools that I really like. And then these other 11 schools are just filler. Uh, that's really what those are. So 
I think it's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. I, th- I do think, I know Michigan fans love to knock on Rutgers, but I do think Rutgers probably is another school that may have a shot just because uh, the in- they're the in-state school. Uh, his high school coach is really big on Rutgers. His former high school coach. Uh, I think they have a new coach, but there's still some pull there with the old coach. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting just because, you know, I don't know if you remember last year when Michigan did the satellite camps in New Jersey, there was the big to-do by some of the local high school coaches about, you know, supporting Michigan being there or, like, supporting Rutgers. Uh, you know, Chris Partridge has done an awesome job. He was the National Recruiter of the Year last year. There are still some high school coaches in New Jersey who aren't the biggest fans. And uh, I think Don Bosco is one of those high schools. So, you know, interesting the dynamic in that regard. But he's got a, there's a great relationship with the family. Uh, the dad and the kid, you know, so this is going to be tough though. He says he's going to go all the way. We'll see if that really happens. Uh, but I, I do, I think my gut would say Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state in some order. I don't really know what, uh, and then Rutgers kind of hanging around a little bit, uh, as the local school, like if Rutgers somehow had a decent season, which I don't know for them, I guess it'd be like six or seven. Like if they got to a bowl game, um, I think they could become a factor, but for now, I think it's the big three, the Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, in some order. Well, we already have three really nice verbals on the offensive line, and we're looking for more. We talked about James Carvin from Tennessee on the last show. He released his top ten, and Michigan, of course, made it. But he still hasn't taken a visit here, has he, Steve? No, and Michigan, that was a kind of can be kind of typical of some of these races for Michigan when they're, when they're working hard down south. Uh, I think his list was Michigan- all SEC schools, and then Memphis, which you can basically throw them out of the top ten. There's no way that he will find them in Memphis. So it's pretty much Michigan versus the SEC. Uh, they got to get him up. I'm not I'm confirmed if he's coming up anytime soon or not. I know he will visit at some point as long as he doesn't uh, verbal anytime in the near future. Basically, from what I know, uh, from talking to him, talking to others, I think Alabama uh, would be the choice uh, today. Again, that's if Alabama would take him, which is always a question mark. You know, Alabama's basically going to have their pick, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, at the end of the day with, with at every position right at this point. Uh, so that'll be kind of interesting to watch. Uh, Carvin's a really interesting prospect. Uh, I think he's, a, I think he's underrated. I think Michigan, good evaluation. I mean, you know, it's not hard to knock their evaluation when he has Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia and all the other ones too, but, uh, a really a good player. I think, you know, they, they, they're really good at picking and choosing their spots, uh, down south, you know, with the right kind of guys to, uh, evaluate and recruit. So I think there'll be a shot there. Uh, but it's like the same as always. They just got to get him up, see what he thinks, see how much he likes it and, uh, go from there. But they, they have a shot. I would probably place them in the top half of that, of that group in some regard. Like, I don't think it's, if you see all SEC and then you see one school that like is nothing like any of the other schools on the list. It's usually a good indication that there's some pretty high interest in that other school. So, uh, you know, Michigan fits the bill in that regard. And uh, I think he's a guard. I don't think he may be. I think he's like at 6'4", which is a great guard size, uh, you know, would be a great complement next to uh, Emil, Emil Echior uh, on the interior uh, and would go great. You know, I think anybody complements what they got in Hayes and Mayfield really well. So, uh, interesting prospect, though, for sure. Another offensive lineman I'm seeing mentioned is Jamari Salyer, five-star kid from Atlanta. And yes, another Georgia kid uh, whose top four schools right now, from what I've read, are Stanford, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. But his list also includes Alabama, Florida, and Michigan. Uh, what does your crystal ball say about this kid? You know, if you'd asked me three or four months ago, I probably would have said Clemson for sure. Pace Academy will send is not your typical uh it's a it's a very prestigious academic school that's why you hear stanford uh another school to really watch i think he was just on campus is Notre dame uh i don't know if ohio state's really much of a factor there anymore it seems like clemson georgia and Notre dame probably the three with uh you know it's for stanford's one of those schools too until the guy gets out there uh stanford's probably always going to be in the mix michigan not as sure about Michigan's place in that one. I know he's highly ranked. Uh, I've kind of been led to believe Michigan's not as high on him as maybe his ranking would suggest. I mean, I think we have him like seventh overall, like in, of any of any position, like overall in the country. You know, very very high on his game. 
Uh, I'm not sure that he's a guy Michigan is really pushing too hard for at this point. Uh, you know, I think, well, Carvin, I think, is a guy that they are pushing harder for on the interior uh, right now for, for one, and I think there are probably a few others. So Sally are a guy probably going to take it all the way, very national recruitment, kind of likes to take the visits. Uh, nice kid, though. Uh, will be. I think he's. I don't think he's as overrated maybe as Michigan thinks he is, I guess. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a really good player at the next level. So we'll be interesting to see. You know, Notre Dame – they had the whole Demetrius Robertson situation last cycle where, you know, he flip-flopped like four times. It's, it's hard for these northern schools to compete uh, against in, in these SEC, ACC battles, uh, especially Notre Dame with, you know, their academic uh, just to get in, you know, much like Stanford. You know, it makes it really difficult for those schools to compete against the schools down south. So uh, I always kind of root for those schools to beat like a Clemson or Georgia in those types of races. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting. Well, Stephen, your Detroit Free Press article this week, you mentioned there were some new targets that emerged during the spring evaluations. And if we could, let's talk about a few of those guys. Uh, one of them was an offer that went out to uh, tight end Luke Ford. He's an Arkansas decommit. So he joins Mustafa Muhammad and Jeremy Ruckert on the tight end list right now. How does he stack up against those two guys? I think he's right there. Uh, I think he's a little, he's more of a raw prospect than either of those two are but again I mean that tight end is a position where a lot of times it's about like the the tools that they already have that they can work with uh I watched Ford for a really long time he was at the army combine uh in San Antonio in January when I was down there uh, got to watch him up close and in person for a long time uh, again Michigan's been very very tight with even offering tight ends. Uh, Ford was the first tight end they've offered, I want to say, at least nine months. I mean, they've, their board has been very, very small at that position. Uh, kind of wonder why they didn't, maybe didn't at least extend the offer earlier. Uh, probably could have got him on campus at some point. Uh, but, but I think he's right there. Uh, I think he's – I don't know where I'd put him in the pecking order with those two because those two are both such great players. Uh, I think he's right there, though. I think those guys could be the top three in the country. Uh, I think Zach uh, Kuntz out of uh, Penn State commit, I can't remember where he's from, I think he's from Pennsylvania, is right there as well, but uh, Ford is right there also. Problem is, he just had a great visit to Alabama, a really good visit to Alabama. Uh, I think they've established themselves as a team to beat for now, uh, but as he recently decommitted from Arkansas, he's in no hurry. I do think he'll be up to Michigan sometime in the next month and a half or so. So look at their shot. And, I, you know, I think tight end is a lot like quarterback where I think Michigan's always going to have a shot with a the guy they want there uh, as long as they can get him to visit just because there's – I mean, they turn on the film at tight end and it's like entry is different. Uh, they're teaching you how to block. It's really an NFL prep school, really, uh, as far as the tight end position goes. So, uh, you know, Michigan will always have a shot as long as they push and, you know, are recruiting a guy hard. Well, you look at where they are with Muhammad. I mean, they probably still lead there. And then uh, Rucker, it's Michigan or Ohio State for Rucker for sure. I mean, so they're right there with the top two guys they want, you know. So they're really always kind of in it with their top targets at that spot. Now, are Muhammad and Rucker both going to ride this whole thing out until uh, National Signing Day? Sounds like Mustafa wants to. I, you know, I don't know if he's going to or not. It's always hard to tell. Uh, even when they say they do, they're going to. You never know. Rucker, though, uh, that could be within the next month or so, and then that's. That's a tight battle. That'd be a, that'd be Michigan's biggest recruiting victory over Ohio State in a long time if they can pull that one off. Uh, I know they think they can. I don't know if they will. Uh, it's just always hard to say. And again, you know, Ohio State, a lot like Alabama right now, basically getting the guys that they want. So won't be an easy one. Uh, Rucker, though, definitely probably going to decide. I don't know, maybe by the next time we talk, it's hard to say. He he's he said he wanted to do it after, uh, I think, track season or baseball season, one of the two. That season's over, and uh, last I knew, he was looking at winding things down here pretty quickly. So, you know, I think Muhammad will go longer. Again, I just don't know. I think he says he wants to do it at the Army game, which we invited him to. Uh, but, again, it's so hard to tell with these guys sometimes, you know, when they're going to do it or what they're going to do. Well, a few of the other names uh, you mentioned in your story in the Detroit Free Press this week, uh, Fort Myers, Dunbar's Shockey Jock Lewis, which uh, besides being just a great name, 
Uh, this kid's a very, very skilled two-way athlete, isn't he, Steve? Yeah, I think I threw like the word electric in there too in the <laughs> in the article. I think I threw that in there, you know, kind of like a little shocky thing. Um, yeah, and another kid that just decommitted from an SEC school. He was committed to Kentucky for a while. Uh, just opened things back up. Michigan's been recruiting him pretty hard. I've been trying to figure out. I haven't really gone too in depth with them. Uh, you know, when these guys decommit or when they commit, they get bombarded by reporters. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten too in depth with them about where Michigan wants him. I think it's on offense. Uh, 6'1, I think 180. The coaching staff loves Dunbar too. I don't know if anyone remembers Shane Reed, the linebacker out of Dunbar last cycle, which really, I know, yeah, I think he signed with Tennessee, uh, but was a guy that Don Brown really, really liked a lot. I think there may have been some academic hurdles there though. Uh, you know, maybe would have taken him and then not pushed for Willie Gay late. Uh, you know, but things, you know, obviously turned out the way they did. But no, they just really, they really like Dunbar. Uh, they like the program. They like the athletes that come out of there. And, uh, I think Michigan's definitely, they definitely have a shot with Shockey. Uh, Tennessee though, like Reed, I think Tennessee is probably the big factor there right now. I think he just came off of a really good visit there. Um, but again, I don't think, you know, with these kids decommit, it's kind of rare for them to just go right at, sometimes they flip. Obviously they'll flip right to another school, but it's guys that back off kind of take their time so that's a vibe I got from Shockey and uh yeah I mean I think he's offense but when they're recruiting a guy that can play both ways a lot of times it's really a situation where we just take him they figure it out later I mean if you get enough you know dynamic guys that can play multiple positions it kind of allows you to kind of keep your board open you know like with what they did at Ryan Hayes you know where I think Hayes may start his Michigan career at tight end but it kind of allows them to keep recruiting some tight ends still, but it keeps letting them recruit some tackles also. You know, it lets them kind of – gives them a lot of options. And uh, I think guys like Shockey, uh, you know, kind of fit that bill to a T. So, yeah, I, I Shockey, man. Like, he's a great, great film, though. Really good player. And, uh, yeah, one Michigan's going to be in for sure. Well, earlier we talked about the three verbal commits we have on the offensive line. And, of course, we're going for more and some big-time recruits uh, up front in the trenches. So another name that you mentioned is Conway, South Carolina offensive tackle Raquan O'Neal. And he is considered one of the best offensive line prospects in this class of 2018, isn't he, Steve? Yes, and his recruitment has really taken off the last, like, three or four weeks or so. I'm interested to see if the offers keep pouring in. I know at Penn State, Michigan... South Carolina all offered him on the same day, uh, which if you see where his recruitment was before that, uh, I mean, he had to be on cloud nine after that. I mean, that's that's a great day uh, to get offers from those three schools, including your home state school, you know, so uh, really nice for him. You know, he's talked about coming up and visiting very soon, as far, maybe even this weekend. That's not a, pot, that's not a certainty at this point yet. Uh, I do think, excuse me, that he'll get up at some point this summer still. Really, uh you know, like, I think I, you know, he went to Junior Hemingway's High School. I think that was Conway. Uh, and I think that if they were to sign a South Carolina kid, it'd be the last one since Junior Hemingway. So that's kind of a little interesting thing to keep an eye on. These are the kind of guys, though, I always find really intriguing uh, as far as late bloomers. You know, this is a guy that his recruitment, like I said, two or three months ago was, it wasn't non-existent, but it, well, he wasn't existent either. It was very, very slow, really taken off. And uh, these are the kind of guys, like, if they were to get a guy like this, you know they'd be excited because they loved his evaluation enough to offer him, you know, because there there's some other guys on the offensive line that they are in the race for, you know. So if they're offering a guy this late, uh, you know, who's who's got decent offer sheet, um, there's definitely something they see there, you know. So that's always something to watch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's the other little quick note about Conway, speaking of Junior Hemingway. Uh, he has a brother a 2020 defensive end named Tonka, Tonka Hemingway, uh, who is also, he has a South Carolina offer already. He's going to be a very highly touted prospect. And uh, I'm not sure if Tonka will come up with O'Neal or not, uh, but I do know that the younger Hemingway is on Michigan's radar already. So uh, could be a, could be a legacy prospect to watch uh, down the road at Conway too. So uh, pretty cool. Again, Michigan never recruits South Carolina well. I don't really even know if it's a state they put a ton of effort into. Uh, so that'll be interesting from that aspect, too. Well, another interesting name that you mentioned was uh, Jensen Beach, Florida safety, Jamie and Sherwood. As you mentioned, he is a true safety. He would not be learning the position. He is scheduled to visit sometime soon, isn't he, Steve? Yeah, I think he'll be on campus on Saturday. 
Uh, he's what they like. They call like a, a Florida dog. I think like this is a, he's a Devin Bush senior guy. I'm pretty sure uh, plays the ball, plays hard, uh, hits, plays a really physical brand of football. Uh, maybe a lot like Josh Metellus, uh, you know, as far as a guy that Metellus really could have slid up, you know, into the Viper spot if things had cha- if things had played out a little bit differently. Um, but now is kind of at that strong safety uh, spot for for the Michigan defense. So uh, you know they they love the South Florida guys if they can get a shot with them to get him up on campus so quickly after the offers a really really great sign. Uh, but Florida State's in it, Miami's in it. Miami's recruiting really, really well right now. Uh, Florida State, of course, always recruits really well. It's kind of a big given. But, yeah, Sherwood definitely fits more of just the straight-up safety, uh, which I think they want. They want at least one more of those guys. Uh, you know, there are a few other guys that I think I mentioned on the roster, on the in the verbal list right now, who could play safety if necessary. Again, going back to that whole, you know, let's get them on campus, uh, you know, with Miles Sims, uh, German Green, not Gemin Green, and then uh, Otis Reese even. And uh, and then even Shane Simon too, if they were if if they can pull that one out. So, you know, it's a situation where Sherwood would just kind of fit right into that safety spot, and they know they'd have something there. So, you know, I've, I've actually read, you know, that some people have compared him to like a like a mini Jabril, uh, you know, because he's also he also plays the other side of the ball. I don't think anyone's recruiting him there, um, but but a guy that's really versatile defensively. So. Um, but I do know, like I said, Michigan's recruiting him at safety, though, and that's that's really what they're looking for. They want one guy, one more guy they can just plug in and say, this guy's going to play safety for us. And he's really emerged as one of the top targets for them, for sure, no doubt. Well, as we know, Steve, far from over, we have a, a lot of the recruiting wars left. But the Big Ten, when you look at the the overalls right now, especially Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, and Michigan, all putting together some big-time classes, aren't they? Yeah, you know, Nebraska's done really, really well. Uh, they're still in that position, in my opinion, they're still in that position where they're going to have to win uh, to hang on to some of their top recruits. I think the kid they just got, Joshua Moore, there is no way that recruitment's over. Uh, is one of the wackiest ones uh, that I can remember in the last year or so. Uh, I think he made three different commitment videos uh, for three different schools. We luckily, you know, our national guy, Steve Wilfong, was on top of it, had him to Nebraska the whole time. So, uh, you know, but again, just if you're that, you're not that sure, you know, why commit now? But, you know, but whatever, I could go off about that for a while. But Nebraska, like I said, they're going to have to keep winning to, uh, to, to sustain this. They've done a really good job, though. There's no doubt about it. And then the other three, yeah, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Penn State's riding high off of last year, no doubt. Uh, James Franklin's always been a really good recruiter. Just a situation where they need, yeah, they needed the wins uh, to get into the Rose Bowl with a pretty young team. I mean, they bring back almost everybody, including Barkley uh, and, and McSorley. You know, is, is really gonna, you know, the potential's there for them to really keep doing some big things. So, you know, they've almost weird, but in a really, really short time, they've kind of replaced Michigan State uh, as far as uh, I'm saying strictly recruiting too for now, um, but as kind of that third school in the East you know, that can really, really recruit. The one school I'm kind of watching is Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin is one of the is same as they are in basketball, where it's like no matter who they throw out there, they're going to win like 10 games. Like it's like a given that Wisconsin will win 10 games. This year, their schedule is one of the weakest that I've ever seen. Like they don't play Michigan, or they don't, sorry, they do play Michigan, at, but they get them at home. They don't play Penn State. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan State this year. Uh, they get Iowa and Michigan at home. I think they play at, I think their toughest road game is at Nebraska. Uh, they really could win like 11 or 12 games, uh, legitimately. And I'm interested to see if that helps their recruiting out a little bit because they're always like in the middle of the pack. Uh, but like I said, there's something in the water up there, uh, because just like basketball, it's like they can graduate all their guys, but they're still kind of hanging around at the end of the day. They're still right there. So, uh, you know, the Big Ten, I think, is doing a better job from top to bottom. You know, Maryland, too, with D.J. Durkin, they've really done a good job. Durkin was a great recruiter at Florida and then at Michigan. They've really done a great job in uh, locking down some of that local talent in the DMV area, which Maryland hadn't been able to do for a long time. You know, they're, they're a school to watch. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. That's, well, Minnesota, too, with P.J. Fleck. Uh, he's a really dynamic guy. I think Minnesota's average per recruit right now is about – three or four points higher than their best class ever. 
so they're really doing some good work. Uh, you know, I think I think that the, the not saying the tide is changing because the SEC schools are always going to recruit really well, especially the way the the rules are selectively enforced. But um, you know, the the middle half, middle part of the Big Ten is really, really starting to pick it up, you know, with those types of schools. So, with the, like I said, with the Nebraska's and Minnesota's and uh, the Penn State's, I guess you could just kind of throw them in there. But, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to cover. Uh, you know, inter- always interesting to see how it will play out, too. You know, like Penn State's become a factor in New Jersey now. Wasn't the case two years ago. You know, Michigan can't just walk in there. Um, Michigan and Ohio State can't just walk in there and get who they want now. they got to battle Penn State. You know, and uh, it's just it's a lot of dynamics, a lot of interesting little storylines. Like Michigan has kind of flipped the script in state. You know, Michigan State was doing really, really well in state, you know, in 14, 15, 16 class. Now it's like Michigan kind of gets who they want uh, as long as they're pursuing them. And then everybody else kind of picks up the uh, the rest, you know. And now Michigan State's got to battle Kentucky in Michigan and they got to battle Minnesota and they got to battle, uh, you know, some Penn state, you know, so a lot of dynamics that have kind of happened in the last seven, eight months that are kind of interesting. With us here on our June recruiting update is Steve Lorenz from 24 seven sports. And Steve, uh, aside from the recruiting news, uh, we've had the camps going on a lot of, a uh, lot of interesting things in the news in the last couple of weeks, uh, non-recruiting, but uh, one of the interesting comments I heard over the weekend, and I think it was, uh, at camp, the uh, aerial assault camp was Don Brown uh, telling reporters that Rashawn Gary might be the best defensive lineman he's ever coached or maybe ever seen, which is incredibly high praise, isn't it? No pressure there. Yeah, right. Well, Rashawn can handle it. He, uh, I mean, he's had the pressure on him a lot like Jabril. Uh, he's had the pressure on him since he was like a, in high school. I want to say when he was a freshman in high school, he went to Ohio State's camp and ran some insane like 100 yard like sprint or something with uh with the other campers and and that's really what you know the ironic thing about Rashawn is that his performance at Ohio State's camp is really what put him on the radar recruiting wise so uh he's he's kind of used to that I don't think he he'll just have his beats headphones on his head and just kind of tune it out I mean he wears uh, those things are like surgically attached I feel like (laughs) to uh you know, he's smart, though. I'll tell you what, if he plays the way he should, and I expect him to, and he keeps wearing those headphones all the time, he might have a nice little uh, sponsor deal coming for him after he uh, after he leaves Michigan. I've been kind of feeling like I've been thinking that for a while. So uh, smart, smart little ploy, or, or he might not even be doing it on purpose, but I'll tell you what, people will notice that. I mean, it's the first thing I notice about him is he always got those headphones on. But, you know, it's Don Brown is not one to – just say things either. Uh, that was kind of the thing I took out of that. Um, he's not, I mean, he'll give praise of course, but he's not one to make grand statements like that without, you know, feeling like that really might be the case. His times, you know, Michigan released all those times from the spring workouts. Those were all 100% legit. Uh, you know, I think people thought maybe that they were like exaggerated a little bit, but they wouldn't exaggerate Gary's times and then not exaggerate like the running backs who none of which really were showed were like that fast in the 40. I think he outran the running backs. You know, there's no reason to embellish one and not embellish the other. Uh, I, I, the sky is the limit for him. I think in a weird way, uh, even though everyone's kind of, obviously the hype is there. I think in a weird way that I think his play this year will really make people forget about taco very quickly. And I say that as somebody who I actually said, we were just doing our Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Uh, I said, if I could have one defender back this year, it'd be taco uh, or Jabril, but taco just, he was so dominant at the end of the year. Um, but I think Rashawn can get there and he can get there really quickly. So really we'll see how Michigan's defense plays this year. Last year, obviously number one in the country, but Man, if you have a guy that like that who should be able to get to the quarterback like with ease, uh, think Joey Bosa at Ohio State. Uh, it really will make life a lot easier for those for those new corners, and uh, you know the guys in the back four. So, 
it's exciting. That's a very exciting statement from Don Brown and, and really interested to see if it comes to fruition. Well, another story that we've all been following for a long time, it seems now, is the Grant Perry situation. Um, and in the news again lately, uh, he was cleared to practice a couple of weeks ago, but then uh, Jim followed up and saying he will uh, he will not play this fall until his court case is heard. If it's not delayed again, Steve, I think that's supposed to be in July, isn't it? Yeah, and that's been a... I think Harbaugh, I think they've handled it right in just in the idea that I think Harbaugh has kind of earned his, the right or his, his, the pub, court of public opinion uh, as far as the way he's handled other situations. Um, they really haven't been lenient. You know, they kicked Julie Tillman off the team immediately after his situation. Uh, Brian Cole, Kyle Bosch. Uh, you know, guys that really Brian Cole was a guy that probably would be contributing right now if he was still on the roster. I mean, he did one year at Juco. He's already at Mississippi state and is probably going to play a ton for them this year. So, you know, he's, I feel like he's kind of earned the right to, you know, cause I, for you hear that on the surface that he's back with the team, but things haven't been settled. It's kind of like, I don't know. Why would you, why don't you just wait for it to just be settled fully? Uh, you know, but I think he's kind of earned that right to let you know to see they know what's going on they know the facts too right I, that that's always an important uh, i mean they should know the facts or they know the gist of them so i think that's always worth monitoring i'm i was a little bit surprised that they that that he's able to practice with the team but again i think harbaugh's at least earned that uh you know the for us to say well you know he knows what he's doing as far as discipline goes so um and again here's the other thing not like michigan really 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 needs him at wide receiver so so it's not a situation where he that where, where Perry who has been great I mean you know he played his first career game after being I think the one of the lowest ranked recruits in that class but it's not as if he's some star indisposable player you know that the team would that you know the team can't survive without or will, will struggle mightily without you know and that I think that's another thing to maybe think about whether would they watch the way Michigan's handled it um, is that they're giving him a fair shake so you know, it, it'll be interesting, though. I don't know. We'll just have to see how it plays out. I really don't know how it's going to play out at all at this point. Yeah, and hopefully it gets resolved in July or, you know, before the season gets underway or practice gets underway. But as you said, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Another thing we've been hearing about since the this the Big Ten schedule or college football schedules were announced, and I'm glad we have so many kick times so early uh, prior to the uh, start of the season. But one of the things we've been hearing about is a night game, you know, Ward Manuel had been saying earlier in the year in the winter, we're probably going to have a night game uh, this year. Now the talk is that night game might be against the Spartans. Uh, do you like that idea? I do. They better just have like extra like police or extra whatever, though. Um, you know, knowing going to Michigan myself, going and visiting friends at Michigan State in the past, it gets pretty wild. Uh you know, I think at in East Lansing it's a little more common, um, but it, I don't. I don't think there. I've never. I've never an advocate of not playing a night game against. I think it should always be at least against a rival or a legit opponent. Uh, I think it'd be really cool. Uh, I think they should do it if it works out. You know, I, th- I think security has been the concern though. I think that was the biggest thing as far as it being the Michigan State game specifically uh, was security and with people driving and drinking and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I. They must have the logistics in place to possibly handle that. I would think they would, uh, you know, but, but yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Uh, I think it'd be a great, great way, uh, for that rivalry game to be played this season. I think it would give, it gives Michigan, I think playing at night at home always gives the home team a little bit of an edge. We've seen what Michigan's done at night, uh, at home to, you know, begin. I mean, the comeback against Notre Dame, kind of one of the more memorable moments of the last 10, 15 years. So, uh, yeah, I love it. I'm always, I think the night games are nice. They can help with recruiting too. I know people always think it's like a huge recruiting thing. Uh, I think it's like kind of, it's like in the middle. Uh, I don't think a kid's going to, I mean, maybe the atmosphere will be good enough to where it could sway a certain guy. But I think in most cases, I think, you know, it's just a, maybe like a tiny little perk, you know, type thing. But again, maybe a little better than it would have been if it was a day game, you know, as far as that goes. So you can't, knock it from that end either but yeah i think ann arbor would be rocking though for a game like that i think it'd be uh it'd be intense no i think it would be a a great experience but you know my takeaway from it from what i've read is that i don't think either ad is really sold on the idea but i think now that the the networks have 
more to say about kick times. That's really the, the key here. They know that's a ratings blockbuster. So both ADs, despite their hesitation, they don't have as much say as they used to on, yeah, we're going to do that or no, we're not. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, money talks, right? I mean, that's really what it comes, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, cause yeah, I mean, like I said, the common theme has been security, which is them looking out for the best interest of the students, of the regular people that are going to watch, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's going to do well enough, and enough people are going to tune in on the television, then, yeah, there's no doubt that they're going to, you know, that they put it at night. I mean, that's just the way it's kind of always been. So I would anticipate, I guess I'd anticipate that that this would be the game. I don't know who else, you know, you can't do Ohio State at night, which I would never want. I think that's the noon kickoff has to always be, in my opinion. Um, And then after that, I don't really know what else, who else you would go with, you know, because those are definitely the two headliners at home. And and like I said, you know, Air Force at night. I mean, that doesn't get anybody excited. So, you know, it's just, uh, I would go with Michigan State. I kind of feel like that's just the, it's, yeah, because it's kind of gone from, no, it's not going to happen to, well, you know, and then I think it's just kind of slowly migrating to, uh, that's going to be the end result. You know, the networks are going to prevail on this. If they want this game to be a seven or an eight o'clock kick, that's what it's going to be. But I, I'm listening to what some of the network execs from, especially from ESPN were saying about the game, that it's a natural, uh, it, it has coast to coast appeal. But those of us in this state know that is a whole different crowd. I don't care if you kick it at noon or you kick it at three 30, you can see why both athletic directors are hesitant and what they say public safety it's no joke they're serious about that that is an entirely electric environment well there's a lot of hate you know <laughs> and, and and it's like legit hate like and it's i mean this is a michigan podcast so i can just say it i feel like the hate comes more from their end towards michigan people uh you know i know some of the worst experiences i've had uh are in east lansing you know going to a michigan michigan state game so you know as far as the random acts of i don't know i won't say violence i've never been attacked but i mean we've had stuff thrown at us and uh you know people like berating us and i mean i spent the night once out on spartan stadium gates uh before the game you know, because they had their air student section i don't know if it still is but it used to be general admission and uh it was the year that uh perry carried it 51 times we spent the night on spartan stadium gates and i was like probably one of only four michigan fans uh that was there and uh, it was a uh, it was an iffy experience, you know. And so uh, there's there's definitely some vitriol there. Uh, and I think yeah, I mean, I, there's no doubt though. Yeah, like you said, the athletic directors are in the right of mind to kind of feel that way because I think there is some potential there. But like you said, also like you said, the executives are always going to win out. The, the networks are always going to win out if it's what they want. It's what's going to happen. So and like I said the athletic directors have already kind of softened their stance a little bit. So, you know, it's definitely an indication that it might be heading that way. But, yeah, security will have their work cut out for them. I mean, there's just no way around it. Not with these two schools. I mean, we'll just have to see. Well, amen to that. I think it's a done deal. We're just uh, waiting for the official announcement. That's the way I look at it. So we'll see. Uh, It'll be exciting either way. Final thought, though, Steve. Uh, The preseason magazines, of course, are on the shelves. Uh, Michigan fans expecting big things. Everyone I talked to is just so pumped up about the season and then you see the news here in the last day or so in uh, various publications michigan and michigan state have the toughest or one of the toughest schedules in the country so yeah expectations are high as they should be but it is you know realistically for me anyway hard to imagine this team winning more than nine maybe 10 games with this schedule i don't know if it's just me but this is a tough road biggest thing it goes back i mean i've been saying this now even not remove harbaugh from the equation i've been saying this about michigan for what seems like forever now when's the last time they that michigan won a big a very like legitimate road game you know it's been forever i don't count michigan state last year you know as a legit as a big road win they were a team that has yet to kind of get over the hump as far as that goes, you know, and you got two understated, but very, very tough. I mean, I guess Penn state, not understated, but going into Wisconsin and winning in camp Randall is difficult regardless of how good Wisconsin is, but this should be a really good Wisconsin team. So, you know, I, it's, it's hard for me to place a lot of stock, you know, and how they're going to do this year when you combine, we combine the inexperience uh, with a schedule, you know, because, 
again, I know Michigan State went three and nine last year, but it's going to be their like every year. It's going to be their Super Bowl, and uh, they're going to bring it more than they do probably in any other week of the season. That's always a game to watch. And then obviously Ohio State, you know, who brings Barrett back again. It feels like JT Barrett's been there for 15 years now. Um, you know, he's he's going to be there again. You know, and they're going to finally have to try to beat him, but with just totally new set of people. So. Yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of, this is the way I've kind of looked at it. I've kind of viewed 18 as sort of a bridge year, uh, or a 17 as a bridge year to 18, where I think the expectations next year should be sky high. Now, I know they'll be on the road again next year at Michigan State at Ohio State, but, and I think they open up at Notre Dame too. I think the excitement next season uh, will be really, really big, but there's a ton of talent. You know, a lot of young, I know it's young, but the talent level has risen though. And that's where I think that's where the, that's where the intrigue is for me is how quickly can this high level of talent acclimate itself? And if they can acclimate themselves, then who knows? And in my opinion, you know, no, not enough people talk about Wilton. Uh, you know, if he had played against the second string in the spring game, it really, nobody would be questioning his job. If he, Hadn't what, what, lost three games by five total points, all of which were on the final play of the game, basically. I mean, you know, if they had won two of those, uh, would people say anything bad about Will and Spade? No. So I think bringing back your starting quarterback who just won 10 games is, is a really big deal. It's the one thing they haven't had in a while is bringing back a good starting quarterback for a second year. You know, so I think that's the other thing, too is people kind of look at him as the weakness. I kind of look at him as the strength on offense, uh, you know, as far as, like, having that returning experience. I mean, he's played in some big games now. And, uh, yeah, they came up short, but for a first-year guy, I thought he did pretty good, uh, considering, again, I've said this a thousand times, when you rush the ball for, like, two yards of carry against Iowa, Ohio State, and Florida State, your quarterback is not going to have an easy time winning the game. There's just no way around it. If you can't run the ball, you can't beat the front seven, you have little to no chance, you know? And so, um, and they had a chance. That's the thing. So I, I don't know. I think this is a real mystery year. I, I kind of with you, uh, I think eight or nine would be a good season. I know it won't be for Facebook fan uh, whose like self-worth depends on how well Michigan football plays, but uh, you know, I think eight or nine would be good. Uh, I think they, I think they can win more than that, though. Uh, it'll just, again, it'll just depend on really on how quickly, how quickly up front, you know, with three start new starting offensive linemen. Where again, I think the talent level is higher. I just will the production be there right away? You know, with Anwenu, and uh, with I mean, I'm already forgetting Kugler. You know, and then with those guys and whoever wins the right tackle spot. So, and then defensively with the cornerbacks. You know, is it? It's hard to expect somebody to just walk in and just replace Jordan Lewis. But can they just play at a high level, though? You know, so it's it's one of the, it's definitely the most in- interesting season for Harbaugh so far, just because there's so many new names. Uh, but again, I think the talent level is higher. I just think it just comes down to how quickly they can gel, how quickly they can get used to it. And in that in that regard, I think the opener against Florida is about the best possible way for this team to open because. Florida's good. They're not great. They're beatable for sure. And it's, but they're, but they're good. And that's a great, you know, it's better than starting out against like central or bringing Hawaii in again, you know, it's good to have a come in and get a really nice test, you know, to begin the season on a neutral field. I'm not big on neutral field games, but I think from this standpoint, I think it'll help them. Uh, you know, so it'll be really interesting, though. I don't know. We'll see. Well, as we said earlier, the uh, the camping season is winding down. Summer workouts are in full swing. Voluntary summer workouts um, and recruiting never goes away. So, as always, it's great to have Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports with us on our monthly update, this one for June. And we look forward to doing it again next month, Steve. So, as always, thank you for your time, and we look forward to your next visit. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks as always. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, we'll keep it short because the segment with Steve Lorenz was just about 50 minutes. But as always, he has such great info for us. And as I am well aware, recruiting news is something most of us can't get enough of. 
Steve will be back in just a few weeks on our July recruiting update. Jim Harbaugh has invited former President Barack Obama and his wife Michelle to be honorary captains for an undisclosed Michigan home game. There has been no confirmation on whether they have accepted yet. The NBA draft is right around the corner, and DJ Wilson is still projected as a first-round pick. Let's hope it works out for DJ, because if he goes in the first, projections say he will be a late pick. If he goes in the second, nothing, especially money, is guaranteed. So let's hope his decision to forego his senior season will turn out to be the right one. Next Tuesday, I'll have this month's Michigan Man Extra for you. Our guest will be senior linebacker Mike McCray, one of the few veterans returning on Michigan's defense. So don't forget to tune us in next week for that. Wherever your summer travels take you in the coming weeks, make sure you join us for the latest news on the Michigan athletic scene. With our free show apps, it's never been easier to get the show. Our free apps are available from the Google Play and iTunes stores, and you can also hear us on iHeart and Stitcher Radio, as well as Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on the program. Thank you in advance. That will do it for today. Join me next week for our Michigan Man Extra and special guest, senior linebacker Mike McRae. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!